I'm particularly happy to be having this greatest moment of my life in many ways at Nehru Center uh, because my long winding in the golden string that Blake says we must all wind into a ball. My long golden string, it has been very long, brought me at last to India where I felt home at last. And in London, of course, Nehru Center is India. And it's a place of many happy memories, this room. So many wonderful things have happened here, music, dance, wisdom, beauty, everything. It's, it's a very happy room to me to be here. There's no other room in this country where I would rather be for this occasion. Thank you very much. Well, there are so many dear friends here whom I would like to name. It would mean naming nearly all of you, but in particular, I see Alan Claude here who is published many books of mine, extremely beautiful work, earlier uh, before I went over to Brian, so to say. But you have still published works of mine quite recently and always so beautifully, and you've been such a loyal friend, Alan. And here is Valerie, who has been a wonderful friend and is a link with uh, Tom Elliott, whom I held in such reverence when I was an undergraduate, and uh, I was very much afraid of Tom, of course, and uh, I said to Valerie one day, I was so much in awe of your husband, and she said, well, I just saw that he needed love. Well, that is, of course, what we all need, and what I hope some of my poems contain a little of, at least, uh, Thank you, Keith, for all you said, and thank you, Francis and Brian. And I feel as if I'm hearing my own obituaries being read. <laughs> but I, it ought to be an obituary, for I've had my 92nd birthday. But I'm very glad to be here on this occasion and to uh, still be with you. And. Without more delay, and if I go on too long, I will stop. <laughs> they are roughly in chronological order, but not strictly so. But this is an early poem, and in a way, I think. Poets, most of us, are trying all our lives to write one poem, and we have various attempts, some better, some not so good. But the theme is there throughout one's work. And this poem, entitled Self, as you already mentioned, is the great question which goes through all our lives. So this poem is an early poem called Self. Who am I who speaks from the dust, who looks from the clay, who hears for the mute stone, 
for fragile water feels with finger and bone, who for the forest breathes the evening, sees for the rose, who knows what the bird sings. Who am I who for the sun fears the demon dark, in order holds atom and chaos, who out of nothingness has gazed on the beloved face? This is another early poem. Traveller. A hundred years I slept beneath a thorn, until the tree was root and branches of my thought, until white petals blossomed in my crown. A thousand years I floated in a lake, until my brimful eye could hold the scattered moonlight and the burning cloud. Mine is the gaze that knows eye-bright, asphodel, briar-rose. I have seen the rainbow open, the sun close. A wind that blows about the land, I have raised temples of snow, castles of sand, and left them empty as a dead hand. A winged ephemerid, I am born with myriad eyes and glittering wings that flames must wither or waters drown. I must live, I must die. I am the memory of all desire. I am the world's ashes and the kindling fire. The world. It burns in the void. Nothing upholds it. Still it travels. Traveling the void upheld by burning, nothing is still. Burning it travels. The void upholds it. Still it is nothing. Nothing it travels. A burning void upheld by stillness. Now we come on to a later period, and these following poems were written in Italy, where I had dear friends, Hubert and Lelia Howard, with whom I stayed often in Rome and at their beautiful uh, estate of Ninfa in the famous gardens. And there I wrote many of my poems. I owe a great deal to my friends who gave me the opportunities to write poems in their beautiful houses, away from the housework and so on of one's own life. And these are all, in one way or another, poems arising from Italian art. This is one I've entitled Statues. Statues. They more than we are what we are. Serenity and joy we lost or never found. The forms of heart's desire. We gave them what we could not keep. 
We made them what we cannot be. Their kingdom is our dream, but who can say if they or we or dream or dreamer, signet or clay, if the most perfect be most true? These faces pure, these bodies poised in thought, are substance of our form, and we the confused shadows cast. Growing towards their prime, they take our years away. Growing towards their prime, they take our years away, and from our death they rise immortal in the life we lose. The gods consume us, but restore more than we were. We love that they may be, they are that we may know. And then this is entitled Old Paintings on Italian Walls. Who could have thought that men and women could feel with consciousness so delicate, such tender, secret joy? With fingertips of touch as fine as music, they greet one another on vials of painted gold, attuned to harmonies of world with world. They sense with inward look and breath withheld the stir of invisible presences upon the threshold of the human heart alighting. Angels winged with air, with transparent light, archangels with wings of fire, and faces veiled. Their eyes gleam with wisdom, radiant from an invisible sun. Others contemplate the mysteries of sorrow. Some have carried the stigmata, themselves icons depicting a passion no man as man can know, we being ignorant of what we do. And painted wounded hands are by the same knowledge formed, beyond the ragged ache that flesh can bear, and we with blunted mind and senses dulled endure. Giotto's compassionate eyes, wrapped in sympathy of grief, see the soul's wounds that hate has given to love, and those which love must bear with the spirit that suffers always and everywhere. Those painted shapes, stilled in perpetual adoration, behold invisible form, invisible essences that hold their gaze entranced through centuries. And we, in true miraculous icons, may see still what they see. Though the sacred lineaments grow faint, the outlines crumble, and the golden heavens grow dim, where the pantocrator shows in vain wounds once held precious. Paint and stone will not hold them to our world, when those who once cast their bright shadows on these walls have faded from our ken, we from their knowledge fallen. Then this is a short poem called A Triad, which uh, came to me without a word to change as uh, I was driven down the Via Appia. 
between those tombs of old senators, which many of you remember. Triad. To those who speak to the many, deaf ears attend. To those who speak to one, in poet's song and voice of bird, many listen. But the voice that speaks to none by all is heard. Sound of the wind, music of the stars, prophetic word. And this is another icon which one finds in Italy, both in the classical and in the Christian tradition, of the poor Eternus, the eternal child. A little child enters by a secret door alone, was not and is, carrying his torch aflame. In pilgrim cloak and hood many and many come, or is it the one child again and again? What journey do they go? What quest accomplish, task fulfill? Whence they cannot say, whither we cannot tell, and yet the way they know. So many innocents, reflections in a torrent's throne. Can any on these treacherous waters cast, unmarred, unbroken, image the perfect one? All things seem impossible to the newborn, but each one story tells, one dream leaves on the threshold of unbounded night, where all return, spent torch and pilgrim shroud. Then this is called Scarlaccelli, and it is about inspiration, as you will see. We do not see them come, their great wings furled, their boundless forms enfolded, smaller than poppy seed or grain of corn, to enter the dimensions of our world, in time to unfold what in eternity they are, each a great sun, but dwindled to a star by the distances they have traveled. Higher than cupola their bright ingress, presences vaster than the vault of night, incorporeal mental spaces infinite, diminished to a point and to a moment brought through the everywhere and nowhere invisible door by the many ways they know the thoughts of wisdom pass in seed that drifts in air or on the waters flow they come to us down ages long as dreams or instantaneous as delight as from seed tree flower and fruit grow and fade like a dissolving cloud or as the impress of the wind makes waves and ripples spread, they move unseen across our times and spaces. We try to hold them, trace on walls of cave, cave temple or monastic cell their shadows cast, animal forms, warriors, 
dancers, winged angels, words of power on precious leaves inscribed in gold or lapis lazuli or arabesques in likeness of the ever-flowing. They show us gardens of paradise, holy mountains where water of life springs from rock or lion's mouth. Walk with us unseen, put into our hands emblems, an ear of corn, pine cone, lotus, looking glass or chalice, as dolphin, peacock, hare or moth or serpent show themselves, or human formed, a veiled bride, a boy bearing a torch, shrouded or robed or crowned, four-faced, sounding lyre or sistrum, or crying in bird voices. Water and dust and light reflect their images as they slowly come and swiftly pass. We do not see them go from visible into invisible like gospel in the sun. Bodies by spirit raised fall as dust to dust when the wind drops, moth wing and chrysalis. Those who live us and outlive us do not stay, but leave empty their semblances, icons, bodies of long-enduring gold, or the fleet golden flower on which the Buddha smiled. In vain we look for them where others found them, for by the vanishing stare of time, immortals are forever departing. But while we gaze after the receding vision, others are already descending through gates of ivory and horn. Now, yes, that's very good. Thank you. That's better. What's this one? Oh, yes. Oh, that is the end. This is a much simpler poem. It's called Cloud. And it was probably written in Cumbria, where I had what I always long to have, which is a small house with a large garden, which is very lovely and was a very happy time. And it was very remote and among the, the hills and the Pennines. Never alone, while over our ending sky clouds move forever, calling them beautiful. Humanity is in love with creatures of mist. Born on the wind they rest, tenuous without surface, passive stream from shape to shape, being with being melting breast with cloudy breast. Ah, could we be like these, in freedom to move in peace on the commotion of the air, never to return to what we are, made, unmade, remade, at rest and change, from visible to invisible they pass, or gather over the desolate hills veils of forgetfulness, 
always reflect its splendor, evening gray charged with fiery gold and burning rose, their watery shapes shrines of the sun's glory. Then this is a poem written to my mother after her death. It was my mother who was really the poet, but she didn't write it. I hope perhaps I've written some of the poetry that she did not write. It was certainly she who gave me the gift. Your gift of life was idleness, as you would set day's task aside to marvel at an opening bud, quivering leaf or spider's veil on dewy grass in morning spread. These were your wandering thoughts that strayed of airy sky and traveling cloud, the harebell and the heather hill, world without end, where you could lose memory, identity, and name, and all that you beheld became insect wing and net of stars, or silver glistering wind-borne seed forever drifting free from time. What has unbounded life to do with body's grave and body's womb, span of life and little room? <laughs> then, this is a different kind of one. Turner sees. We call them beautiful. Turn as appalling seas, shipwreck and deluge, where man's contraptions, moth and hull, lurch, capsize, shattered driftwood in the whelming surge and swell, men and women like spindrift hurled in spray, and no survivors in those siding glossy graves. Doomed seafarers on unfathomed waters, we yet call beautiful those gleaming gulfs that break in foam. Beautiful the storm foreboding skies, the lurid west. Beautiful the white radiance that dissolves all. What recognition from what deep source cries glory to the universal light that walks the ever-running waves? What memory deeper than fear, what recollection of untrammeled joy our scattered falling drops retain of gleaming ocean's unending play. And this is a poem later. Today a wondrous, it's called poppy flower. Today a wondrous hundredfold poppy with muddled mauve and crimson petals has opened at my garden door in once only miraculous epiphany. And who am I that the creator of numberless worlds should send this gift from the inexhaustible treasury? Today in Persia, a mountain shook human multitudes with no more concern than fallen petals or stars in galaxies. And who are we in that presence to whom large and small, many and one are alike, are nothing 
And this poem is simply called Who Are We? The theme continues, you see, from the first poem I read you. Who are we? Not that I remember, but that I am memory. I'm all that has befallen, unbroken being and knowing, whose flow has brought me here, laden, laden with the forgotten times and places, once here and now, of those who were, from day to day, from life to life, as I. Presences of that omnipresence without end or beginning, omniscient through our being that brings and takes away the unremembered, the unremembered living moments of joy and wisdom, the once familiar rooms and temples and fountains, the long ago gardens of a thousand stars, music once heard traveling through me and on like a wave of sound, a gleam irrecapturable. And who are we who gather each one leaf one life of the myriadfold tree of the lost domain and mourn the flowing away of all we never were or knew. Promises, messages reach us, instruct us, the untold, the untellable, undying heart's desire, resonance of elsewhere, once, someday, forever. This poem is called Change. I wrote it on the Isle of Cana, I remember. Change, said the sun and the moon, you cannot stay. Change, says moon to the waters, all is flowing. Change, says the field to the grass, seed time and harvest, chaff and grain. You must change, said the worm to the bud, though not to a rose. Petals fade that wings may rise, borne on the wind. You are changing, said death to the maiden, your one face to memory, to beauty. Are you ready to change, says thought to the heart, to let pass all your life long for the unknown, the unborn, in the alchemy of the world's dream? You will change, say the stars to the sun, says night to the stars. Now I'm going to read for the first time in public, my millennial hymn, which is addressed to the Lord Shiva, who is in India, the god of time, and he is the destroyer. Bra Brahma is the creator, uh, Vishnu the preserver, and Shiva is the destroyer but there comes a time. 
Earth no longer hymns the creator, the seven days of wonder, the garden is over, all stories are told, the seven seals broken, all that begins must have its ending, our striving, desiring, our living and dying, for time the bringer of abundant days is time the destroyer. In the Iron Age, the Kali Yuga, to whom can we pray at the end of an era but the Lord Shiva, the Liberator, the Purifier? Our forests are felled, our mountains eroded, the wild places where the beautiful animals found food and sanctuary we have desolated. A third of our seas, a third of our rivers we have polluted, and the sea creatures dying. Our civilizations blind progress in wrong courses through wrong choices has brought us to nightmare where what seems is to the dreamer the collective mind of the 20th century. This world of wonders, not divine creation, but a big bang of blind chance, purposeless accident. Mother Earth's children, their living and loving, their delight in being, not joy but chemistry, stimulus, reflex, valueless, meaningless, while to our machines we impute intelligence, in computers and robots we store information and call it knowledge. We seek guidance by dialing numbers, pressing buttons, throwing switches, in place of family, our companions, our shadows, cast on a screen, bodiless voices, fleshless faces. Where was the garden, a Disneyland of virtual reality? In place of angels, the human imagination is peopled with footballers, film stars, media men, experts, no old television personalities, animated puppets with cartoon faces. To whom can we pray for release from illusion from the world cave but time the destroyer, the liberator, the purifier? The curse of Midas has changed at a touch, a golden handshake, earthly paradise to lifeless matter, where once was seed, seed time, summer and winter, food chain, factory farming, monocrops for supermarkets, pesticides, weed killers, birdless springs, endangered species. Battery hens, hormone injections, artificial insemination, implants, transplants, sterilization, surrogate births, contraception, cloning, genetic engineering, abortion, and our days shall be short in the land we have sown with the dragon's teeth, where our armies arise fully armed on our killing fields with landmines and missiles, tanks and artillery, gas masks and body bags, our aircraft rain down fire and destruction. Our spacecraft broadcast lies and corruption. Our elected parliaments parrot their rhetoric of peace and democracy, while the truth we deny returns in our dreams of Armageddon, the death wish, the arms trade, hatred and slaughter, profitable employment of our thriving cities, the arms race to the end of the world, our postmodern, post-Christian, 
post-human nations progress to the litter of our spent civilization, but cause and effect just and inexorable law of the union, no fits of science nor amenable God can save from ourselves the selves we have become. We are all in it. No one is blameless at the end of history. To whom can we pray but to the destroyer, the liberator, the purifier? In the beginning, the stars sang together the cosmic harmony, but time imperceptible taken away of all that has been, all that will be. Our heart beat your drum, our dance of life, your dance of death in the crematorium. Our high-rise dreams, Valhalla, Utopia, Xanadu, Shangri-La, world revolution, time has taken and soon will be gone. Cambridge, Princeton and MIT, Nalanda, Athens and Alexandria, all for the holocaust of civilization. To whom shall we pray when our vision has faded but the world destroyer, the liberator, the purifier? But great is the realm of the world creator, the world sustainer from whom we come, in whom we move and have our being, about us, within us, the wonders of wisdom, the trees and the fountains, the stars and the mountains, all the children of joy, the loved and the known, the unknowable mystery to whom we return through the world destroyer. Holy, holy at the end of the world, the purging fire of the purifier, the liberator. I would like to read you one more poem just to go beyond this apocalyptic vision. Uh, where is it? Uh, oh, here it is. Is one half of it, the other half cannot be far away. It's um, the first part of this one. No. Uh, no, not there. Is this one? Oh, yes, here we are. It's not very long, but I do feel I don't want to end on the apocalyptic note entirely. Harvest of learning I have reaped, fruits of many a lifetime stored, 
the fourth discarded, proven kept, knowledge that is its own reward. No written page more true than blade of grass and drop of dew. Striven my partial self to bind within tradition great and whole, Christendom's two thousand years, wisdom's universal mind. No doctrine heart can heal as cloudless hill, as cloudless sky and lonely hill. Now I am old, my books I close and forget religion's ties. Untrammeled the departing soul puts out of mind both false and true, distant hills and spacious skies, grass fade and morning dew. Mm -hmm.